<laughs> well, we finally made it. Uh, can you believe it? Oh my gosh. There were so many obstacles in coming here today with the thunderstorm and the rain beating down and lots of other things were going on, but it was my intention to really come here and spend some time with you. There's probably nothing, nothing more important than the thing that we're going to talk about today. And I am so excited. And this is a very big week, an extremely important week. We are talking about toxic relationship recovery because next week we start the new uh, rounds, this, the, the, um, the next semester of our life school, which is Love Yourself First Empowerment School. And this is just an open invitation to talk about uh, what is toxic relationship recovery? Is it something that you even need to consider in your own life? How will it benefit you? Is it for you? I'm gonna answer all those questions and so much more over the course of the next five days. Enrollment will close um, on September 6th and we start September 7th. So if you're interested, make sure that throughout this live stream and also uh, throughout the week that you're commenting. I'm gonna go back through and read the comments at the end of this. And if there are questions for me, I will start the next live stream answering your questions that you have asked me specifically. Let me just take a minute and say, hey, hi, how are you? It is so cool that we are able to be here together in this way, isn't it? Please, when you're here, make it known, share your comments, say hello. Uh, let me know that you're here with me live. It's so cool that we get to hang out together. Otherwise, I get to see you on a regular basis in my comments. And I have to tell you how much I appreciate that. It really does it warms my heart for you guys to know uh, that you're sharing with me that the videos that I'm making to help educate you on toxic relationships and dysfunction and codependency is helping. I know for sure, not just by your comments, but also by the, the students that have joined my program as a result of coming to me through YouTube. YouTube is a, is a marvelous, marvelous place, isn't it? I mean, everything you ever want to know, you can find here. I've used YouTube pretty, pretty much for everything in my whole life, like studying things and looking for things. And it's just such an honor to be able to be here on this platform with you. And it's such a big place too, right? YouTube is humongous. And if you found me today, I want to tell you it is not by accident. Either I told you about it or you stumbled upon it. And lots of my clients and students tell me that they were asking for a miracle, you know, breakthrough. Let me just be, be directed, like searching. How do I find the right person that's going to finally answer my questions and put things into perspective for me? And then up pops my little old video with I don't know how many views and they click on it and they're like, holy shit, this is the person I've been waiting for. And that's not to sound cocky or full of myself. I know that, you know, it's there's a big difference between thinking that you're God's gift and God has gifted you. And I truly believe that this is my area of giftedness is to be able to help you understand and make sense of all the bad things that have happened to you in your relationship life, all your relationship trauma. So ultimately you can come out the other side, you can heal, you can be whole, you can be healthy, you can have you know, unlimited success is really what we want, right? The question for me and for you and for a lot of people that I help isn't how bad can I let it get? Because we know you have a black belt in suffering. You have been through it. You're an overcomer, man. You have overcome so much in your life. So the question isn't how bad can you let it get? It's how good can you let it get? And that's what I want to do with you. Now, today it's going to get dark before it gets light. And it's always darkest, as you know, before the dawn. So I'm going to share with you some pretty dark 
things from my own life? Uh, how do we know we're in a toxic relationship? And why am I going to air my dirty laundry? Why am I going to share with you my experiences and talk to you about the intimate details of my own life? Well, God, it's nerve wracking to do that. I have to tell you already, it's definitely nerve wracking to come on here and share and, and talk about all things like this, but I'm doing it because it is my life's work, my mission, my purpose to help you break generational cycles of dysfunction for good. If you're successful in other areas of your life, but you struggle in relationships, you didn't come by that on accident. You were likely born into the same kind of dynamic that I was that taught you about your value, about your ability to be loved and for who you are. And though you can make other things work in your life, you're like, a, you're like two different people. You're successful over here, but you feel like a total fail, failure in this other area. And if that's you, I have to tell you, you're definitely in the right place today. You know, if you want to learn about how to break free emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, financially, this is the stuff that you need to master to get you to the next level. Even me being here is a testimony to breaking free for myself. You know how nerve wracking it is to come on? You know how many thoughts could go in my head about showing up here live, right? Like, uh, oh my God, is anybody going to come today? Uh, are they going to think you're dumb? Uh, what are they going to say? Uh, are they going to like it? You know, uh, do you know what you're talking about? You know, I, I get nervous when I do these things. You know, I'm human just like everybody else. I come on here, I'm like, well, I'm let my shit hang out, you know, and see if anybody's smelling what I'm stepping in. You know, uh, it's nerve wracking, but I'm so committed to the outcome. I'm so committed to helping people break free from toxic and dysfunctional cycles. I'm so committed to giving the next generation a childhood they don't need to heal from that I'll risk it. I'll risk looking like an idiot. I'll risk not knowing what I'm going to say next. I'll risk fumbling around my words so that I can help heal generation after generation. And it starts with you and you're the one that's here today and amen and hallelujah that you are. Congratulations, Hercules. Okay, I'm so glad that you're here. Now, if you're noticing that I have a black eye, which I do, how did I get that? I'm talking about toxic relationships. Well, it was a, a bastard, in fact, who did it to me. And I will tell you what happened. I have been getting really good at organizing and I was putting something on a shelf and this little fucker, okay, fell down on me. Now, look, this this is like heavy. This is not... What a jerk. He fell right his foot landed on my eye. <laughs> Little asshole. Anyway, if you're noticing, that's what it's from. Oh, and my husband's calling me. Honey, can you hear the live okay? Oh, no, are you on live right now? Yeah, and so are you, honey. You're on live stream. Okay, well, then uh, I did not realize that because uh, I went to your page and it said weather delay. So. Oh, well, here I am, baby. I'm here. Okay. Well, well I love I you. you okay, sweetheart. I love you. I love you. Okay. okay, bye. Well, that's a supportive guy. All right. So anyway, yes, that's what happened. He busted my face open. All right. That's neither here nor there. What I'm here to talk to you about is to share some very personal details about my own toxic relationship recovery journey. We've got to start from the very beginning. We have got to start with how did this stuff happen? 
where did this stuff originate in your, in your life? Now, I'm going to share with you my examples. My examples might not be your examples. You might be like, well, that doesn't, I didn't have an experience like that. But I guarantee if you search and you're connected with me, you will find the similarities. That's what I'm looking for. Don't look for the differences and the things that I'm going to share with you. Look at the similarities. I'm trying to find my people. I'm trying to find my tribe. I'm trying to find my brothers and sisters on the path of wholeness and happiness and wellness and, and abundance. And, and if you've been through even a little bit of what I've been through and you can relate, I want you to know that on the other side of that is the experience of being able to come on and share your gifts and ideas and talents and being able to have a healthy relationship where, you know, he calls you and makes sure everything's a-okay and wants to support you or she's there for you when you need them. And you have mutually beneficial relationships that aren't one-sided where you feel like you got a succubus sucking all your power and time and attention. But, you know, you got here for a reason. Many times I'm not here to, to, to make you place blame. People hate to do that, right? There's two types of people, people that don't want to claim that at all and be like, I survived my childhood. Everybody did the best they could. We all gone out. Everybody's fine. Hallelujah. Jesus, praise the Lord. Okay, good. And then you have other people that are like, my mom is the way I, why I am, the way I am, that bitch, and I'll never recover, and she did me wrong, and my dad you know, ruined me. There's usually one of these two people, but the, the truth is that there, there's balance somewhere in the middle, this woo way, which is this middle way where yes, okay, your childhood experiences did shape you. They absolutely did. And if you don't recognize that, if you don't notice how they shaped you, you're going to continue to bleed on the people who didn't cut you. Okay. You're going to continue to live out this trauma bond and you don't even recognize that you're in one because you haven't turned the lights all the way on as to how that experience shaped your relationship decisions today. But if you just stay there, then you'll be stuck in the victimhood and you won't come from, you know, victim to victor and you won't, you, you'll stop your warrior training and just stay a warrior and you'll just be stuck in the pain. And so what I aim to do is help you recognize where these, this trauma, this relationship trauma impacted you and then help you take responsibility to set yourself free. All right. That's the very next step. And of course, I want you to come in my program. Look, I have got no shame in my game, honey. Not no shame in my game. I am inviting you to come and be alongside of me inside of this program. We start September 7th. Cutoff is September 6th. That's why we're going live every day to answer all your questions, talk about all of it. Toxic relationship recovery, our toxic relationship recovery and codependency program is the key to set you free. It will unlock you, you emotionally, psychologically, financially, and spiritually so that you can come to the next level and live your highest good and your best life. Hashtag best life. Okay. <laughs> Not to sound cheesy, but it's true. We all deserve to live that best life and it's waiting for you. You know, sometimes we feel like good things are meant for everybody else really, but not for us. You know, we're stuck. You know, we can only get so far. There's a little gray cloud that follows us around everywhere and we can accomplish some things, but not other things. Well, you get to have it all. Don't believe the lie that you can't. You absolutely get to have it all. Okay, let's dive into it. I want to talk to you about the very first toxic relationship that I ever had. My first hater. And I actually want to say it was an, uh, the original hater, the OG hater was actually my mom. And here I go. That's very bold. Even just expressing that to the YouTubes. Because why? 
even saying that out loud for a lot of people is like, oh my God, is she going to like talk shit about it? Is she going to talk smack? Like, oh my God, this is so like, you're not supposed to do that. Okay. You're supposed to be loyal that she birthed you. You're supposed to have a good relationship. I get it. And I understand that that is our societal programming that makes us believe that we should be loyal to the people who continue to hurt us. But that's a lie. If you believed yourself, that's getting you into trouble too. So I'm here to break that lie, break that generational curse on the family that you've got to stay loyal to the people who are killing you while they're killing you. Okay. You don't need to do that. So yes, it is bravery. And yes, even though I'm going to talk to you about some of the toxicity, there were lots of good things too. All right. But I don't need to even need to do that. I don't need to go back and say, but she was such a great person here. I don't need to do that. And neither do you. And so many of us spend our lives in this, you know, don't want to like rock the boat or say the wrong thing or hurt somebody else's feelings that we suck our own truth down. We sit on our own truth. We pretend we had a life that we didn't have. We pretend people were better than they were so that we can be okay, but st we're still sick in the long run. And I, I need to break that with you. We've got to do that. And so it's so, it runs so deep. The delusion runs so deep because the loyalty to the people who hurt us runs so deep that I'm going to lead the way for you. My biggest hater was my mom. And when I was born into that dynamic, I could not breathe the right way without being criticized, hyper-criticized for how I showed up just in life. I was too loud. I was obnoxious. I was the reason for all of her anxiety. I was the cause of all her pain. I was the reason she was so stressed out. If it would have been better if I wouldn't have been born, too late for a trigger warning. Okay. If you've heard some of this stuff yourself, maybe you've been there too. I, I was constantly criticized all the time. I couldn't do anything right ever. And not just the physical abuse, which was bad. Okay. And it hurt like hell. All right. But the verbal abuse and the psychological abuse and the mental abuse, thinking that I'm the root cause, I'm six years old and I'm the reason I'm being screamed at and yelled at and, and pushed around because I'm a little asshole and I'm the problem. And I started to believe into that. And I got the first message in my life. Holy shit. It's not okay to be me. I better walk on some eggshells and be who I need to be in order to be okay. Now she was like a Jekyll and Hyde. I never knew what I was going to get. She could go from zero to 100,000 in 30 seconds. We're fine. We're having fun. We're laughing. Shit's hitting the fan. We're not having fun. All bets are off. Fucking run. Okay. So you never knew what you were going to get. So I had to be a person that was a predictor of like how to behave in order to make her not react. Because again, she would always tell me, hey, you're responsible for the way I feel. I'm feeling miserable because you were born. I'm feeling upset because you're too much. I'm feeling annoyed because you're, you're annoying, right? Not because I, she just owned her own feelings and had her own overwhelm and her own trauma drama that she was dealing with. It all got transferred onto me. But some of the biggest messages were that I just, you know, when I was a little girl, I was a powerful little girl. I was a strong little girl, much like my little girl, Ella V, who is eight years old. She is a force, honey. If you haven't met her yet, you will. She is a force to be reckoned with. Holy shit. Okay. She is like, wow, tremendous. And I know that I had some of those qualities when I was born too, but that wasn't appreciated. I was told that I was too strong, too opinionated. Who the hell do you think you are? If I would look in the mirror too long, it would be like, ew, you love yourself? What the fuck? Why would you love yourself? Like, look at you. Like, you're 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 not that great. What what do you? Why do you think you're so great? Was like the the constant. Not like we tell kids today. Hey, you are great. Like good parents will say you're great. But 
Why do you feel like you're great? That's the wrong way to think about yourself. You love yourself. You're obsessed with yourself. That's wrong. That was the message. Okay. And aside from that, I was also sexualized as a young girl. Not that I was being sexual, but my body was shamed and being sexualized where I was like being called slutty at eight or like being, being referenced as like boy crazy or a little whore when I'm like a little child and thinking, well, I'm developing. And, and like, I guess, you know, if I liked boys, that was a wrong thing. And so I was body shamed and sexuality shamed and all these things. But, but the, but the biggest issue was just feeling like my own mother hated me on a regular basis. I didn't know if she loved me or hated me. And honestly, I was so fucking tired of trying to figure it out. What did I learn in that first toxic relationship? Those are the details. I've spared you many, many. This is the short version. But what do you think I learned? Now, here's what I want to say. I always say there's, there's, emotion, there's relationship shrapnel. Relationship shrapnel is the stuff that comes to you whenever you're a victim of somebody else's internal war. They're suffering mentally. They're suffering psychologically. They're suffering emotionally. But we internalize their bad behavior and make it mean something about ourselves. And that becomes relationship shrapnel. And unless that stuff is picked out by a professional, hopefully me, it becomes, it festers and it, bec and it, and it becomes toxic for you. So the shrapnel that I was left with, with, with was thinking that who I was wasn't good enough. So I had to start behaving however somebody else needed me to behave in order to be okay. And most of the time it was, don't be so strong. That was what I really needed to muffle was don't be so opinionated. Don't be so full of yourself. Don't think that you're so great because you're not. So I had to act like I didn't think that I was, or I had to like dim my light or, you know, there was a lot of competition, a competitive spirit with her. And she wouldn't say that there was, but I knew there was even, you know, when other people would come into my life and they would pay attention to me or love me, she would be mad at them for doing that. Like, why do you love her? Why are you showing her so much attention? Why are you, you know, catering to her? And she'd paint a different picture of me, right? That I'm not that lovable. Um, how could somebody love me like that? You know, it must be something weird going on if somebody's paying me attention because I'm not worthy of attention otherwise. Must be my body. Must be something weird. Okay. There's, there's so much there. So I learned to um, please. I learned to walk on eggshells. I learned to mostly stuff my pain. There was a moment, I share this story a lot, where I was getting beaten for like the 150,000th time. And I decided in that moment that I wasn't going to cry uh, because I was so tired of feeling like she won. I was so tired of feeling like, you know, my pain was her pleasure, that she would see me hurting and smirk about it, you know, um, or blame me for it. Well, if you wouldn't acted that way, I wouldn't have had to hurt you like that. And I didn't even hurt you. You know, all the gaslighting that happens with that. But what I learned to do was stuff my pain and pretend that you people weren't hurting me. And so when I would get into relationships later on in life, I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't know how to speak my truth, share the real me, be who I really was. I would look around at the person I was with and morph like a chameleon into whoever I needed to be to kind of stay safe in that environment. I did that with friendships. I'd be like, you know, everybody else, whoever I was hanging out with, I'd be more like that person to try to fit in. I'd almost like take on their personality so that I could um, just get along and just align with people because my whole strategy was don't get hurt. You know, don't get hurt. Do what you need to do. 
So that's what I learned there. And that was shrapnel that I kept with me for a very long time and didn't even know it was in there really. Because when I got out of that situation, I felt like I had escaped. I felt like I had survived. I would say things like she did the best she could, which is, by the way, a bypass of the pain. It's something people say when they mean well, but it's very hurtful to hear that, right? For somebody who doesn't understand why they keep hurting in relationships and they haven't connected those dots yet. But, you know, that's called effective blame. You got to go back to the source and know not to blame her. She's such a terrible person, but to say, what did that teach me about myself? And how can I now take what I've learned about myself through that experience and see how I'm showing up in relationships as a result of that experience? That's what we, that's the work we do. In fact, in life school, Love Yourself First Empowerment School, where you learn how to become a life warrior in your warrior training, you learn what you decided as a little kid about yourself based upon your early relationships. And then we carry that the whole way through and how those patterns are showing up for you. It's life changing to really get insight into your patterns. The second relationship that shaped me was the relationship with my dad. My dad was an, an alcoholic my entire life. Now, my dad, I knew loved me. That's the difference between my mom and my dad. I didn't know if my mom loved me or hated me. I, had, I felt like she hated me most of the time. But my dad, I knew loved me. But the thing was, is that my dad didn't really see me. And my dad certainly wasn't psychologically and emotionally available to me. So I learned that if you're going to have love, you've got to settle and sacrifice some things. That's what I made up. That's a story I made up from that relationship with my dad, that in order to be in a loving relationship, you've got to like let go, you know, and settle. And the other thing was my dad many times in my life had come to me and said, hey, you know, Rain, you're the glue that holds this family together. And I would do a lot of things that would make make everybody function. Like I was always a natural born therapist going around everybody like, how are you feeling? Are you okay? He didn't mean that. He did this, you know, trying to smooth things over all the time and make things okay. And many of you that grew up in alcoholic homes have shrapnel bad, bad shrapnel that we're not even aware of where we end up in relationships with people that are broken or hurting. We end up doing what's called splitting with these people where we say what well, they're so loving and they're so wonderful, except when they drink or except when they act this way. And that's like that beginning relationship with my dad. It's like, he's such a good dad when he's sober. And that was my first exercise in splitting. And maybe you have that similar thing. So adult children of alcoholics have this whole array of behaviors that we do, like guessing at what normal is. Like if I'm talking to you and you're going, well, didn't we all have childhoods like that? No. <laughs> Isn't that kind of normal? Isn't everybody two people? No. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get addicted to chaos and we're in these relationships that are drama filled and fueled because that's how we were used to as kids. And that's the shrapnel that we're carrying around. You know, sometimes we confuse pity for love and we have projects instead of relationships. You know, we're trying to fix broken people, trying to help them and mend things. I mean, look at yourself and ask yourself as, as I'm talking to you, what are you relating to? You know, what, what are you thinking? Like, yeah, man, I, I can see how we would get these messages, you know, um, receive these messages from our early experiences. Maybe for you, you had a great example of two loving parents or at least one loving parent who raised you right. And they were emotionally and psychologically and financially and physically and spiritually available to you. And you grew up great. And then you got into your first abusive relationship. Okay. I did that too. 
I went into this relationship that where I was like property instead of a person. And I felt like that was healthier. Like at least he cared. You know what I mean? Like I got into this really dysfunctional relationship where it was like terrible and he was super controlling and very manipulative. But I thought, well, he cares so much. He's like hyper jealous. You know, I had no idea that none of that's normal, that jealousy is not healthy. That, that somebody who tries to control what you think and how you feel and wants you to be with them all the time is somebody who is like uh, abusing you. You know, I had, I didn't know because I had, I didn't put all of it together. I felt like he'd rescued me actually when he was just continually perpetrating the things that I'd already been through. But I have to say, all these toxic relationships that I've been through that I just said, I survived, I overcame, I got out of it. And I thought I'd survived and I started climbing the corporate ladder and I started like making lots of money and being really successful in my life. And then the most toxic relationship that I ever, ever had, the worst of the worst was with myself. Okay. Maybe you knew I was going there. Maybe you can relate to that. You're like, well, I'm not toxic to me. I love me. Well, how can you say that? How can you love you if you continue to be with people who hurt you? Somebody who loves themselves fully and wholly, it's not a feeling like, oh, I like, I like what I see in the mirror. You know what I mean? Oh, I love myself because I look good or I feel good. No, love myself is I don't tolerate anybody's bullshit. I don't let anybody con control or manipulate me. I don't go on anybody's emotional roller coasters. I stay away from emotional tornadoes. You know, I protect my sacred space. You know, I, I am who I am and, 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 I, and I celebrate that. I don't squash it down or minimize it or walk on eggshells with other people. So if you're, if you're in a relationship with anybody else and you feel like you love yourself and you look to your left and that person is not reflecting that image back to you, you've got work to do. Because if you want to know how you feel about yourself, look to the left. Look to the people you surround yourself with in your life. Your relationships are the biggest indicator of how you truly feel about yourself deep down. Now, loving yourself is not a feeling. It's not like, oh, like I said, oh, I feel so great about myself. Loving yourself is a verb because love is a verb. And you can only really love yourself if you're walking that demonstration daily of loving yourself. Inside of our program, we have seven walking demonstrations that we teach. Our warrior training consists of seven master skills that we learn throughout the course together so that we can embody what it looks like to actually love yourself. To actually be, we get it so wrong in our, in our society. It's so fucked up. It's like, well, if you love yourself, yes, I do love myself and I know how to do it. So here's what I do to love myself. I wake up in the morning and I meditate. <laughs> and then after I meditate, I pour some coffee and it's so delicious and I just love it. And then you know what I do? I go to the gym because people who love themselves go to the gym and other people who love themselves eat right. So I made a delicious salad. I, I follow that salad girl on TikTok and I just make all those Kardashians salads. And then I take baths and I wear nice PJs. What the fuck? On what planet is that loving yourself? I mean, on earth, I guess, right? Because that's what we're taught. And it's so disgusting and disturbing to me because that's, that's like self-care and that's really cool. Okay. It's really cool. But loving yourself is actually doing the hard things. Loving yourself is not like living in this protective bubble, like cushy environment where you're just like loving on yourself all day. Loving yourself is speaking your truth in the face of fucking horror, 
<laughs> loving yourself is setting a boundary and meaning it and walking that talk and, and having people understand where you're coming from, being in your full power. Love is uh, walking away sometimes. Love is the strength. The self-love is the strength that it takes to look inward. Most people don't see because they're afraid to fucking look. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid to go in and be like, oh my God, I really, I don't want to look at that. Ooh, that's scary. I don't want to see that. I don't want to, I don't want to feel that way, Heidi. I don't want to look at that shit. I don't want to go back into there and think about that. But I'm going to tell you something. You're living it every day in your current relationships, this trauma bond with these people who are like not treating you the way you deserve to be treated. Every time you're confused about how somebody feels about you, you're living a trauma bond. Every time you're hurt and you're disrespected and devalued, you're living a trauma bond. And if you don't go back and be willing to see and open your eyes, you'll continue to repeat that pattern for the rest of your life. And I am a fucking light switch. I want to turn the lights on. I want to help you be in that awareness so that you get to see everything that's impacted you and you can undo that programming one bit at a time so that you're truly free. That's real freedom. Real freedom isn't a fucking bubble bath. Okay, real freedom is being and doing you unapologetically owning all of yourself and having somebody who sees you and goes, man, I love that about you. Wow, you're amazing. Now, sometimes we think to ourselves, that sounds really great, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that I could really be loved to that level. I don't really believe because you don't love, I'm going to tell you, when you love yourself to that level, not in a narcissistic way, narcissists don't love themselves. They hate themselves and they pretend they love themselves so they can't, do, so they don't have to see how much they hate themselves. Okay. I'm talking about real real truth, the, the authentic truth about who you really are and what you bring to the world. And that means accepting your flaws and faults. It means that when I come on here, I'm accepting the fact that for some people I'm too fucking loud. I say the F word, Ew, that's weird. Ew, why should you do that? And like, God, she's like super like animated. Ew. You know, I don't, I, I have no, you know, when, when haters, when you have an OG hater and it's your parent and that's your original hater, do you think the internet trolls are going to matter to you? when your original hater was your mother? Do you, do you really think that I'm going to give a fuck if somebody says to me that I have too much makeup on or, or you know, wants to post something stupid about my boobs? I mean, do you really think that I'm going to care when I survived a lifetime of their OG hater? No, I'm not. But if we're that fragile and fickle and we're worried about what people think of us and how they feel about us, we're going to keep it to ourselves and we're not going to unleash because we, we're afraid of what people think. We're scared of what people think, all right? So I want to encourage you that if you're there, like a lot of the people that I come to, this is, come to me in my programs, this isn't your first rodeo. I have people in my programs who are coaches, high-level coaches, coaches to coaches. I have people who run coaching programs inside of my program. I have shamans, spiritual leaders inside my program. I've trained therapists in my programs. I've, I've worked with psychologists in my programs. So it's not about like you, you don't know anything. You know a lot. You've survived a lot. But what I'm going to do is connect every single dot that can be connected for you so that the lights go on and stay on for the rest of your life. This is really it. I don't know how old you are, but I know I'm, I'm pushing 50. There's a morning and an afternoon and an evening of our lives, right? Wayne Dyer used to say that all the time. And I'm in the evening, honey, and I want to I have a good freaking time. 
I don't want to be catering to anybody else. I don't want to be worrying. I want to be in a relationship that lights me up. I want to be doing the thing that I love. And most people who come to me come in for relationships, but they, once they're in the program, it affects every single other area of their life. They start with relationship, but then they find their careers taking off or their vision or their mission, or they want to be a coach. They want to do what I'm doing. And I work with them to do that because there can't be enough of us. I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I know to be true. God told me a long time ago, Heidi, you're a teacher to teachers. He told me that. I got the message loud and clear. I know that I teach teachers. A lot of the people that come to me don't know they're teachers yet, but why else would you have been through so much shit if it wasn't to go down into hell and pull somebody else out? Why would you have been to hell if it weren't to actually know directions to fucking show somebody how to get out? I mean, you know what I mean? I think God, I think the universe is benevolent, mostly. You know, I think that I choose to believe that everything can prosper, right? So why would you have gone through so much if it wasn't to be used for your betterment to help other people? That's what I know my my pain was for. I'm grateful. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm glad I went through what I went through because it shaped me. I believe I am who I am in spite of what happened to me, not because of it. I think that's something else we say to trauma survivors that hurts them. Well, you're so wonderful because you had so much shit happen to you. <laughs> a rose grows in shit. <laughs> okay. We say this to trauma survivors. No, you are who you are in spite of what happened to you, not because of it. But imagine how much better you will be if you live in your absolute fullest potential. All right. That stuff that happened to you was not okay. It was not cool. It was not okay. Let's not make it okay by giving some bumper sticker bullshit excuse about why it made you so awesome. All right. Let's talk about how you're awesome independent of that. Okay. And let's talk about how that didn't make you so awesome. It might've taken away a little bit more of your awesomeness and you have even more awesomeness to, to, to unleash. That's what I believe to be true. I know that I was always that strong little girl. When I was being beaten, the strength was trying to be beaten out of me. I was too strong. In fact, the other day I went to the gym and I opened up the door and the woman behind me was like, too strong. Triggering people with my strength. I'm okay with that. All right. I was at the gym. I was in my Zumba class. And for those of you who know me know that I actually teach Zumba. I quit now, but I was doing it because I was so distracted trying to learn all the choreo when I was supposed to be making videos. Anyway, I was in my Zumba class with uh, Kim, one of my one of my favorite teachers. She's so cool. And this woman behind me, I was doing my little like hair flips. You know, when you're in Zumba, if you have hair, honey, you, you got to use it. All right. And she goes, well, I <laughs> I was triggering the shit out of her. And she was like, well, I guess if I had hair, I'd be using it. And she had a ponytail with like a couple strands coming out. And I, and I just like looked at her and I was like, I looked at the whole class and it was a silent moment in between songs. I said, Hey, if you have hair, use it. You know? And I did like a hair flip move. My being me triggered her up. Several more comments were being made about my head's going to fly off with my hair whipping and flipping if they continued on and I just continued to dance. Now the old me, because I had the OG hater telling me how my hair was too much or my makeup was too much or I was too much. I'd been through that, that program already and decided to denounce that program. I didn't get sucked into that woman's bullshit at the gym. I wasn't like, Oh my God, should I stop flinging my hair? Should I stop? Like, should I just like calm it down and like be less like fun? I don't know. 
I chose not to. And that's that's what we need to do. Maybe you could say, well, I wouldn't do that, Heidi. I would dance my ass off in that class. Good for you. But what do you do in your relationship when somebody confronts you and says, you're making me do this. You make me feel this way. You're doing that to me. When somebody else's bad behavior makes you question your real value at the end of the night, that's when you get stuck is your partnerships, your intimate relationships is the one place where all of your shit really shows up. So if that's you and you know I'm talking to you, you know I'm singing your song, leave a comment here. I'm going to read them at the end of this. I'm going to go back through. If you have questions about the program, about joining me on September 7th, it is powerful, man. It is it is a small container. It's not huge. It's intimate. You don't get lost in a group. It's semi-private. So you come in, we spend time together. I get to know you. How cool would that be? We become friends. We get to know each other. We form a relationship and we have a power transfer, a power transfer. And I want to, I want us all to plug in. Okay. And so that we realize our fullest potential, our fullest potential. I've had many uh, friends and colleagues along the way who use that analogy. And my friend Tara uses that. I think my friend Cynthia has used that before about plugging into power. And, you know, when, when you get with another powerful person, it just takes you to the next level. I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking to people who are, and if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling like used and abused, I, I, I'm for you too. But I'm also talking to the people who know they're powerful and they have more. Iron sharpens iron. All right. So I love you. Leave your comments. I'm going to go ahead and take a look at some of these and um, write them down so that I can address them in the very beginning of tomorrow's live stream. I'll be back here tomorrow. Now I say 12, but let me tell you, the thunderstorm came, honey, and the rain was coming and you wouldn't have been able to hear me. It was not a pretty sight, but I'll be back tomorrow around noon. Okay. That's what I'm planning for as long as it doesn't rain and I have to do like a a deferred you know, a weather delay. Uh, but I'll be back. So I'll be reading your comments. And I just, I love you so much. I just want to say how great it is to see you. I see lots of familiar faces here that have been with me throughout the years that I've been on this, on the YouTubes. I mean, it's been a long time. And if you know somebody who can benefit from this, will you share it? Will you share the love? We, we, we want to help as many people as possible. YouTube's huge. All right. So we want to make the biggest impact we can. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. And guess what? I'll see you tomorrow. How, how cool is that? I can't wait. All right. Love you guys so much. I'll respond to all these comments uh, tomorrow. And if you have a question, make sure you put it in the comment below and I will answer it specifically for you tomorrow. Love you.